0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Hey, look ahead to Thursday Night Football and a few big injuries on this episode of Fantasy Football in fifteen. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Fantasy Football in Fifteen here at the Athletic Tuesday, November third, Week Eight. Totally done. We are ready to turn and look ahead to Week Nine. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. Derek, I'm a, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm happy Week 8's behind us. It was a meh week for me, pretty much across the board. Fantasy gambling, whatever you want to talk about. I am ready to get on to Week Nine. How you doing today? Doing well. It was a garbage week, and um, yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to turn the
2: page. Hopefully, we move through the second half of the season uh, with the relative smoothness in which we moved through the first Mm -hmm. half of the season. Right, it wasn't without issues or without bumps along the way, but it's amazing that we've made it to this point without major disruptions, without cancellations. You know, we've we've weathered the storm so far. I
1: hope this continues for the second half of the season. I am right there with you and yeah I mean you knew it wasn't going to be totally unscathed this NFL season so if you're being realistic about what your expectations were I would say that you had to have hit them in the first half fingers crossed that we can say that about the second half as well we're going to talk about three big stories here we're not going to get too deep into injuries just yet unless they are injuries that we have good information on which there are a couple we will talk about obviously we'll get into injuries for week nine a little bit later in the week but we're going to start with the first game of the week or at least what Is scheduled to be the first game of the week Thursday night Packers and 49ers. A lot of issues in this game. Let's start on the Packers side first. AJ Dillon tested positive for COVID-19. This was uh, news that came out on Monday, as of Monday afternoon. Matt Lafleur said the game is on as scheduled. Packers going through. Uh, The testing protocols that have become familiar to us now, uh, we've seen some quick turnarounds uh, just last week. The Chargers had a positive test on Thursday, and they still played on Sunday. So I would say right now, no reason to think this game gets moved. The league does have plenty of flexibility in that this is a Thursday night game, so there are some TV contracts, of course, but if they really needed to move it, we've seen a Thursday night game get moved and not have a Thursday night game in a week. That was uh, about a month ago or so, so... There's a possibility that this game gets moved. Obviously, this is something we're going to know in advance, so we'll just be keeping our eye on it. Uh, Aaron Jones was uh, a limited in Monday's practice estimate when teams play Thursday. you know, Obviously, they're not going to really have much of a practice on, or after a team plays on Sunday, they're not going to have much of a practice on Monday, even though they're slated to play Thursday. Uh, but the fact that the Packers are willing to say that Jones was limited in that Monday practice estimate, Hopefully has him feeling good, and of course if this game got moved past Thursday, he would have an even better chance to play. But the Packers have had their eye on Week 9 for Jones' return ever since he suffered that calf injury in practice a couple of weeks ago, so this one feeling like it is looking as though Jones will be able to get back on the field for the Packers. Derek, let's flip it over to the 49ers side of things. The most injured team in the NFL, and they uh, had really uh, the the hammer fall down on them in Week 8. George Kittle has a small fracture in his foot. He is out for eight weeks, so potentially the remainder of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out for at least six weeks after aggravating his ankle injury. He, too, could be done for the year. Nick Mullins is going to take over as the starter. Jordan Reed steps back in. Sounds like he's going to be able to return for this game, so he steps back into a starting role at the tight end position. Debo Samuel still out. Raheem Mostert still out. Tevin Coleman was able to play three snaps before re-injuring his knee in the 49ers' loss to the Seahawks. I mean, just a total mess. Uh, Where where does this Nick Mullins-led 49ers team go from here? Who still has fantasy value on this team? I mean, Brandon Ayuk, I think, is kind of the number one receiver
2: now. Jordan Reed, as we've seen when Kittle's missed time previously this season, has been useful enough to play in at least 12-team leagues, right? I mean, I think the fact that they don't have a lot of proven depth at wide receiver makes that tight end position really important, even without Kittle. So, you know, health permitting for Reed himself, I think he's back on the fantasy radar. Uh, I mean, this is crazy the running game I think is still pretty good and if you think about this matchup against the Packers the Packers have been horrendous against the run that was on full display in week eight Dalvin Cook putting together one of the best games of his career to this point uh, so whether it's a combination of you know Hasty and Jerick McKinnon or if they get one of their other healthy backs into the mix somehow I mean I, I still believe in the running game I believe in Reed as sort of a a second-tier option at the tight end position when healthy, and I think Brandon Ayuk is one of those receivers on the rise who could emerge to maybe be a top 25 guy the rest of the way simply because of the target's going his way, but the ceiling doesn't get much higher than that because I still think Nick Mullins has a lot of limitations as an NFL quarterback.
1: Yeah, I could see getting behind Ayuk and Reed, definitely. I mean, with the, the state of the tight end position, Jordan Reed is an easy guy to get behind, uh, no matter what you might think of him or what you might think of Nick Mullins. Uh, unless you have Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, you're probably feeling pretty bad about whoever your tight end is. So Jordan Reed, I think, is an easy guy to step into starting lineups this week. Ayuk had his fantasy day saved by Nick Mullins in Week 8 when he came in for an ineffective and injured Jimmy Garoppolo. And without Debo Samuel, we know he is going to be the number 1 wide receiver without George Kittle, the number one pass catcher in the San Francisco offense. And really, no matter what team you're talking about, that's a valuable thing. Look to the Jets and Jamison Crowder. Horrible team, horrible quarterback play. Jamison Crowder, obviously, way more of a track record than we know for Brandon Ayuk, but still, this is a guy who has had monster games every single week when he's been healthy this season. So you like having that number one pass catcher status that Brandon Ayuk now has. I I worry about this run game, Derek. I I just can't see getting behind Jamichael Hasty, Jarek McKinnon I mean Jarek McKinnon just gave you another nothing game Jamichael Hasty is fine in a limited role but I'm not sure if he's really equipped to handle a larger role you know I just don't think that there's really a replaceable guy here uh, for the 49ers backfield I think it's going to be a bust situation until we get Raheem Mostert back and that could still be a couple of weeks away it's really a season that is crumbling around this entire 49ers offense I mean even if you look at this great matchup against the Packers that they have coming up this week can you feel much better than maybe fringy flex for jamichael hasty i don't think you can
2: yeah i think he falls into like the boston scott geo bernard territory like that's that's where he goes i think those guys are comfortably
1: better than him Uh, we've seen so much more from those two than we've seen from Hasty. Yeah, I think
2: with Bernard, though, I keep coming back to the fact that he's just not the guy that he was earlier in his career. Few players are five, six years in, right? He's just not as efficient on the ground, but because he has the pass-catching role locked up, that makes him really stable. I think where things get messy for Hasty is that McKinnon can also catch passes. So if he's not getting the same kinds of volume as Boston Scott or as Gio Bernard, then he's going to fall a bit short of expectations. But I do think, you know, Hasty was brutally inefficient against the Seattle run defense that's pretty Mm -hmm. average it's not not an above average or elite unit by any stretch the Packers are so bad against the run that's what's driving my valuation of Hasty I think he can get just the carries and not a whole lot in the passing game and still get to 65 or 70 yards and a TD in this matchup against Green Bay
1: Thursday night game that's got a lot of moving parts both in terms of the game just being played on Thursday Aaron Jones potentially coming back and all those injuries. Hey, Alan Lazarch coming back, I should say, as well, or potentially coming back. And then all those injuries on San Francisco's side of the ball, a game that we are going to have to watch very closely over the next 48 and perhaps 96 hours, depending on what goes on with the Packers' COVID-19 issues.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: All right, Derek, let's stick in the NFC North. Kenny Galladay will be out in Week 9 against the Vikings. He has a hip injury that he suffered in the Lions' Week 8 loss to the Colts, T.J. Hawkinson. Think he's safely locked into fantasy lineups with Galladay, or with uh, with Galladay out. Marvin Jones, though, you know, potentially interesting guy. He didn't do much early in the season with Galladay out. He really hasn't done much all season, and that didn't necessarily change in a big way in Week Eight. The big change for him was the fact that two of his catches went for touchdowns, but yardage wise, targets wise, it wasn't really there for him. Where do you sit on him going into this week nine matchup with the Vikings team that really hasn't slowed too many people down through the air this season?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if Galladay is out, you have to look at Jones as their clear-cut number one receiver. Maybe it's 1A, 1B because of TJ Hawkinson's role at tight end, but that probably puts Jones squarely inside the top 25 among receivers. And six targets Mm -hmm. per game the last three weeks, even with Galladay on the field for most of those games or most of those snaps – that bodes pretty well for his chances of scaling up. I'm curious to see if Quintes Cephas, who's been a healthy scratch in recent weeks, if he gets another look with Galladay down. But it's probably in more of a complimentary role as opposed to a featured role. So definitely a big boost for Marvin Jones with Galladay sitting this one out.
1: Yeah, I really don't think you can get into anyone else in this passing game besides those two guys. I wonder if maybe DeAndre Swift would have more of a floor uh, with Galladay out. It's just been, you know, a guy that we want to see break through, but hasn't quite happened for him. Uh, The, 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 Lions refused to get away entirely from both Adrian Peterson and on Johnson. We thought that on Johnson was safely in the dust, but that's just not the case. He actually scored a touchdown in that loss to the Colts, and DeAndre Swift can't quite put any distance between himself and those guys in the backfield he clearly is the preferred passing game option so no Galladay maybe frees up some more looks for DeAndre Swift but even those looks would have to be uh, from the vantage point of Swift is our best playmaker or Galladay's our best playmaker we need to replace Uh, our playmaker with someone else who can make some big plays for us and Swift is the guy who can do it right it's not like they're going to convert Kenny Galladay targets to DeAndre Swift targets Uh, that's just not the way that this passing game works so maybe in terms of this team needing someone who has a game-breaking ability we see a few more looks for DeAndre Swift in the passing game but I think that's a lot for us to ask for given the way that this Lions team has used Swift to this point of the season and just who the brain trust is on the offensive side of the ball for the Detroit Lions one more big story here Gardner Minshew as expected will not play in week nine we learned about his thumb injury last week before the team's week eight bye so he is out and Jake Luton rookie out of Oregon State is expected to start for the Jaguars against the Texans, poor Mike Glennon, just staying in that backup role that he's been in all season gets jumped by the guy who was third on the depth chart. But I think we can all understand why the Jaguars wouldn't want to hand their season over to Mike Glennon, someone who's really just filling a backup chair, no matter what, maybe they find something in Jake Luton. Uh, Luton's probably not going to be someone who starts for you unless you are in a two-quarterback or super flex league and are desperate looking for someone to fill in. But he's going to have a big effect in the fantasy world because we've got James Robinson on this Jacksonville team, a locked-in RB1, and DJ Chark, who hasn't lived up to his mid-tier wide receiver two, potential pushing the wide receiver one class expectations that he had coming into the season, but still someone who you've been starting every week and definitely would start every week with Gardner Minshew. I guess there's really no way to project the effect that he was, that Luton is going to have on these two guys, uh, but you can't be sitting either of them down. So what are we going to be looking for out of Jake Luton to at least feel good about Robinson and Chark for as long as Minshew is out? This is going to surprise a lot of people, but I don't watch a lot of Oregon State football. Um, <laughs>
2: so, you know, looking at Jake Luton's numbers, the thing that really stood out to me, he doesn't turn the ball over. At least he didn't a lot during his final year. Uh, in Corvallis. So I'm looking at the line for this Texans-Jags matchup. It's moved, I think, two and a half points since it opened. The Jags were four-point underdogs. Now they're at six and a half. So your implied total drops a little bit, of course, you know, with the backup quarterback going. You're not talking about enough to actually sit down either one of Robinson or Chark, though. If anything, you'd expect Robinson to be maybe a little bit busier catching passes out of the backfield, maybe even a more run-heavy sort of game plan. Chark, I think, is good enough where even if you're lowering him from top 20 receiver status with the bye weeks and injuries we're dealing with, he's still probably right there as a wide receiver three or a flex consideration at worst because he should lead this team in targets even with Luton under center. So uh, there's a negative impact on Chark, but it's not enough to take him out of the lineup unless you're loaded at the position.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And that's really what I want to see from Jake Luton in this game is that uh, that Ability to hold on to the ball and protect the ball from his college days carry over to the pros. I am heavily invested in both James Robinson and DJ Chark, so I will be watching this game closely because Luton could be starting for more than just this game. Uh, You don't just bounce back from a, a strained ligament and broken bones in your throwing thumb. It could be a while before we see Gardner Minshew again this season, so you want them to be able to protect the ball. You don't want to be turning the ball over. You don't want to be giving up opportunities to gain yards, opportunities to score, and that's really half the battle for a rookie quarterback getting thrown into the fire like this if you're not a guy with a pedigree like Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow. We saw it out of Ben DiNucci in that first game against the Eagles. No one expected him to come in and even be 20% of Dak Prescott, but you can have some realistic expectations for a guy to be able to come in and protect the football. DiNucci did not do it, and we saw another horrible game out of the Cowboys' offense. So we hope that Jake Luton can at least protect the ball and give the Jaguars the sort of snaps and plays that you get as a baseline just from playing a four-quarter football game. It's going to be hard enough replacing Minshew on the fly. Let's not make it harder on guys like Robinson and Chark by taking plays and taking possessions away from them with turnovers. Let's end this show on a good note here. Derek, Christian McCaffrey will be activated from the IR this week, so we expect to see him back for the Panthers against the Chiefs. Been too long since we have seen him. Got to go all the way back to week two, the last time that Christian McCaffrey was on the field. will be definitely good to see him back for the Carolina Panthers and his fantasy managers. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We will be right back with you here tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.